Chapter 7, Part 1 of The Life of Clara Barton, Volume 2, by William Barton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7, Part 1 The Years of Lonely Struggle. For several years after the Franco Prussian War, Europe was at peace. But trouble was brewing between Russia and Turkey and no one knew what the end of it would be the probability that there would be war in europe appeared to clara barton to indicate a possibly favorable condition of public sentiment in america for the consideration of the red cross if there was to be a war in europe and we were to be asked to help in the relief of the suffering it would cause it would seem fitting that there should be some international organization by which relief could be gathered on this side and distributed upon the other. The American public would then see some reason why America should be interested in an organization of this character. Clara Barton communicated with Dr. Louis Appia, who had called upon her in Switzerland, and with whom she had been associated in the Franco-Prussian War, offering to assist in such way as she might be able in effecting a suitable organization. From Dr. Appia and from President Gustave Mornier, she received prompt letters, and with these, official appointment to represent in America the International Committee of the Red Cross this correspondence is lengthy but of the greatest possible value and must be included in full dansville may seventeenth eighteen seventy seven dr louis appia member societe internationale of the red cross of geneva my esteemed and dear friend if years have passed since any word from my pen told you of my existence and if the precious letter from you has lain many months unanswered it has not been the fault of my memory nor the loss of friendship nor interest in you nor in the glorious and holy work which engrosses and fills your noble life it has been simply that ill weak worn and suffering i have been lost to the work of the world and to the friends i honored and loved four long years have found and held me powerless to strike a blow on the great anvil of humanity or labor one day in its vineyards and for the most part too weak even to hear of those who did but the strong brothers and sisters have toiled bravely on while I waited. The great wheels have slowly turned until they have ceased to crush me so low and grind me so small. And once more I begin, under God's providence, to reach out my hands into the passing atmosphere of life and feel the breezes blow over the seared and fevered palms. Once more, I dare turn my eyes towards the labor fields and their faithful workers. In my land, bright with its western sunbeams, aglow with beauty and abounding in plenty, 
they sow and glean in peaceful valleys. But beyond the eastern waves, in that dear old land that four years of life there taught me to love so well, I see again the flash of the bayonet, the march of armies trampling down the harvests, the terror-stricken fly for rescue and the wounded cry for help. Again the Red Cross, like the bow of promise, rises over the scene, again the shout from its inspired origination rings out amid the din of arms, and its clear, brave tones reach me even here, and my quiet chambers, and my heart, with all its old memories stirred to their depths, goes out in response it bids me seize my pen and say to you that what there is of me is still ready for my work that like the old war-horse that has rested long in quiet pastures i recognize the bugle-note that calls me to my place and though i may not do what i once could i am come to offer what i may then would i have taken the next steamer and in two weeks have stood beside you, asking where to go, and what to do. But as that is not for me now, my brain and heart must do what my hands cannot. My plans are made, and such as they are, I send them to you for acceptance and cooperation. First, I cannot quite rid myself of the lingering hope that the terrible vision of war before you will vanish before its full realization. But if not, and the nations are drawn into its vortex, God only knows the end. I cannot foresee it, but I can foresee that my country will open its heart and its hand in aid as soon as the cry of want and suffering shall reach it. This never fails. The American nature is free and impulsive. Its sympathies are quick and responsive, and it has neither power nor desire to withhold aught from the distressed. But, ready as America will be, she is far away from the scene, can understand but vaguely the steps necessary to the proper gathering, sending, and bestowal of her gifts. So, without some definite and well-arranged organization, however large and generous her donations, she will fail of accomplishing any real or perceptible good, as she has always failed before in all similar efforts at foreign aids. Foreseeing this, I would, if possible, step in to fill this place, and hold back this waste of waters till they can be turned into their proper channels. And for this, my honored friend and brother, I write to you, to ask if I can be of service in this direction. If so, I will do my best to form such an organization in America, if you and your committee desire it. As it is now, in spite of all efforts which you have so generously made to spread the knowledge of your society and its great objects in this country, it is almost unknown, and the Red Cross in America is a mystery. 
I am safe in asserting that not one person in a hundred on this side of the Atlantic ever heard of it. Not one in five hundred has any clear idea of its uses or design. The Franco-German War failed entirely in introducing it either to the people or the government, and so will this present war, unless some active hand takes hold of it, to organize the war reliefs under its escutcheon. It is not enough that some good person stands inactively as the representative of the society in this broad country. To be learned, it must be brought into active use. It must have a national headquarters, sanctioned by the government, where the flag of the beautiful Red Cross floats day and night, in war and in peace. It must have its different state organizations and its smaller relief societies all working under its insignia. This accomplished, the charities gathered from the people should be passed to the state and thence to the national headquarters, and, these being always in communication with you, they would be shipped intelligently and reach at once a field in need of them. My heart aches when I think of all the thousands upon thousands of dollars in goods and grains sent to France in the best of faith by our people in 1871 and wasted, lost, squandered, and sold on its borders, it being impossible to gain transportation or penetrate the army lines and all for the want of the proper knowledge and organization at home. It will be the same thing again unless some method is taken to centralize, organize, and prevent. I have only a word more to add, and I feel called to make the suggestion I make by the fact that I am perhaps almost the only American who you can feel has been a co-worker with you whose manner of work you know something of, and whom you can class as a personal friend and thus address familiarly. And my suggestion is that if you feel that I can serve your cause and humanity through it, in the manner I have described, you will let me know your desires at once. If you will write me immediately upon receipt of this, asking in your own name or that of the International Society that I do all in my power to aid you in the work and to use my power with my people and my government so that it can be seen here that such a want is felt, such a work needed, and that the call is from the highest and original source of international relief in war, investing it with the highest importance. I will have your letter placed before our president and government and ask their sanction and approval, if not the pecuniary aid. For that I never ask. And if it is inclined to be so gracious— it may perhaps appoint a head to the work, thus, by its notice, investing it with an importance and throwing about it a protection which it could in no other wise secure. This would for 
ever establish the knowledge and the work of the red cross for which its noble founders have striven so bravely and faithfully in every mile of american soil the soldier would learn to trust it the father would honor and bless it the mother would bind it over her torn and aching heart as she kissed her soldier boy good-bye and the little children, even in the wilds, would come to know and love its beautiful face. Now, my honored friend, this is not an appeal that you make me the head of your noble order in this country, the active working head, I mean, for I have little ambition at best and none now, but it is to tell you that such a head must be made before the order here can ever come to be of the smallest possible use to the world. Thus far it has failed, and I see no way to establish it but by a call coming earnestly from you and being actively and unselfishly and powerfully and wisely placed before the moving powers of this nation and the people if you have already some person in your mind who will do this or who you prefer should attempt it then it is all well only see that he does his duty and is not asleep at his post there is no more time for this but if you have not such a person in mind and feel that i can serve you acceptably you have but to let me know and i will do all in my power please write me at once the stronger your appeal to me the better use i can make of it and meanwhile i shall not be idle or inactive but will hope to hear from you within the next six weeks say by the first of july please accept my most grateful thanks for the kind sympathies expressed in your letters of last year which i was too ill to answer and remember me in great respect to your family and the mutual friends in my home in geneva perhaps to you as a physician it would be proper to state that my long illness has been as you most likely would suspect prostration of the nervous system and you know how slowly one rallies from this and with what difficulty the strength is regained i am now at my best by far since eighteen seventy three am about my house and grounds ride walk meet friends and sleep tolerably well not as in the old days on the ground without bed or pillow but comfortably and am always gaining a little in strength i trust this may find you well and it will carry to you the best wishes and most sincere esteem of your friend, Clara Barton. Paris, June 14th, 1877. Miss Barton, an honored friend. It is in French that I write to you, for you would laugh at my bad English. I am at present in Paris on a visit at my brother's. I hear that Mr. Moynier has written to you on the same subject which will make the contents of this letter. I expect Mr. Moynier in Paris in a few days, which will give me the opportunity to talk the proposition over with him, which we both wish you to take an interest in. 
Mr. Moignet has undoubtedly told you that our committee has tried for these last ten years to give an American committee an active existence, but we failed. In the first years, our communications were made through a Mr. Bowles, then residing at Paris, with whom we ceased to correspond, not seeing that we arrived to any certain result by this channel. Later, we have been in direct communication with Dr. Henry W. Bellows, president of a phantom committee in New York, from whom we seldom receive an answer. Having therefore no proof that that committee was active, we ceased to correspond, and we at last learned officially that the committee was officially and entirely dead. From that time, about a year since, we considered the Red Cross as not existing any more in America. I need not speak here of the disease which has caused that death. You are an American, and you know better than we the temperament of your nation. Our hope to entertain the life has been nourished in us by the reading of the admirable work which America had made for the care of the wounded during the secession war. We spoke of it at length in the thick volume which Mr. Moynier and myself have published under the title the War and Charity, and which obtained the integral prize of the Central Committee in Berlin. Mr. Mornier has told you, without doubt, how happy we should be to see a work come into life again in your rich and generous America, which had shone with such a bright luster at the epoch when it was stimulated by the mighty auxiliary of the patriotic motive. We know little what America has done for the victims of the Franco-German War, which you have seen and during which we have for some time worked together, and I am not surprised that many generous gifts have been lost for want of a good organization, and especially for want of being able to establish regular communications with the armies by the channel of an American auxiliary committee residing in Europe and which would offer all the security. If you, my honored friend, could succeed in organizing something durable in America, in relation to the Oriental War, which appears only in its beginning, you would have nobly crowned the work of devotedness to which you have consecrated your life. I do not know what means of execution Mr. Moynier proposed. I shall write again upon that subject when I shall have seen him, so that we agree completely together in what we tell you. Permit me, however, now to communicate to you some ideas. You can, without doubt, become the soul of this revising work, but you cannot be its body. America is not so different from Europe that my experience cannot profit you for your country. Now, medicine teaches us that a soul without a body has no life at all, at least upon earth. Perhaps even it is better that a woman should be the soul. Her moral influence 
her earnest entreaties near the governments and authorities are often better accepted and consequently more efficacious i do not therefore see any inconvenience that you should be for america the head of the order the active working head why not if you feel to have the brain power as much as i know you have the moral power but then create immediately under that head a body arms to write to arrange methodically to publish to keep the correspondence either alone or under your dictation for copying etc after that feet for running to go to come to collect to buy to make multitudes of visits and receive visitors as we were obliged to do in geneva in eighteen seventy where during two months my ten rooms were never empty all day long each one containing a secretary man or woman to write and to receive a host of visits which would have killed a president and of which hardly a quarter had really any other practical use than to enlighten the public and to keep up its zeal not always rational surround yourself at once with a little body of persons full of good will and capacity docile to your directions either women or young men especially doctors amongst the latter choose a secretary who must be entirely at your service and who probably ought to be paid one the first work seems to me to be to awaken the attention the sympathy and the confidence of the public without the public no money and without money no material help you know as well as myself the means to attain this end is publicity the power of which is i believe greater in america than in any other country two complete study of the practical and sure means to carry an efficacious relief to the armies in the orient to that effect one needs to correspond very often with all the relief committees of russia of roumania of serbia of montenegro and even of constantinople it is necessary not to conceal to oneself that these intercourses easy enough on paper are very difficult in reality if one does not want the money or the relief to be lost to the profit of the war rather than to the profit of the unhappy victims in order to obtain this and our committee can be of use to you and between mr moynier and myself we shall do all we can to help to enlighten you but you must also have direct intercourse with the relief committees of the different countries which are at this moment engaged in the war although administratively the international communications from neutral countries are made by the international committee you know by experience that many letters are in that case lost in the hands of employees subordinates or men too much occupied and that one needs to throw the bait often and on several sides at the risk of losing much time. 3. You must put yourself in direct communication with your president. I see in it the use, 
first to augment your credit in the country second especially to obtain that your letters and your sendings be given up by persons in high positions and influential in particular ambassadors and consuls you know that question by your experience in the american war better than i do and i shall not enlarge upon it four you must have money and you know the means to procure it the sanitary commission has collected sixty millions of francs during your war especially by immense bazaars in our country bazaars always succeed much more so than collections and produce three to four times as much they always succeed while collections oftentimes fail five once having the necessary money the question rises if it would be advisable to choose two commissaries for example two young physicians supplied with a recommendation from your president who should go together to europe with instructions and plein pouvoir from your new committee directed to go first to geneva to the international committee and from there to go directly to the headquarters of the russian army in order to make its acquaintance and to obtain from it the authorization to circulate in the army and to gather all the information necessary for your work it would be desirable that they speak tolerable french this language being the official one in europe if they speak and write only english they would lose time and would not always be understood those two or three commissaries should be posted on the theatre seat of the war and should give you all the news by an active correspondence they ought probably to engage themselves not to write on politics i never did it in war time of italy schleswig and france besides these commissaries you need an office or an agency in europe to whom all the relief funds must be addressed and who would take the charge of sending them on wherever the commissaries indicate i do not know what our international committee will decide upon this but i think it will be disposed to be an intermediary between america and the belligerent armies as it has done during the war of eighteen seventy by the agency residing at Baal, placed there by us this agency has received five hundred letters besides other correspondence every day either for france or germany notice however that our committee wish to show an absolute neutrality and should certainly refuse to cooperate in anything like a political party it is therefore necessary that your publications speak out your intention to remain neutral and to carry the relief indifferently to all those who suffer that will not hinder you to correspond more particularly with the russian army which for you is more accessible with whom the communications are easier and for whom i believe america has more political sympathy but you must insist on your principle of neutrality in your publications and let this position be known in constantinople and especially to the committee newly formed in that city 
your commissaries after their arrival at geneva might remain there some days in order to study a little our library which contains everything that has appeared since the beginning of our work it would be desirable however that the committee of the red cross in america should buy the principal works and that there should be a commission of several established persons who would take it upon themselves to study them and to give an account of them there is a little in every language i have sent you a number of our international bulletins which appear every three months and in which i have spoken of you the annual subscription being only six francs your committee would take two subscriptions and by it would know all that is done in the different countries last year we sent three delegates to montenegro an interesting little country where with material help and money we can do a great deal of good and where one is received like a divinity by this enthusiastic population but which is also jealous and suspicious our old delegates being at geneva yours could receive numerous and useful information before realizing this ambassador we had three months study and treating i send you my discourse made in brussels which for your case does not contain any immediate application i might give one to your hypothetical delegates as they pass through geneva as you see miss barton and honored friend i began with the idea that the american society of the red cross should revise and assure its stable existence by an immediate employment of its power through a practical application relief funds to send to the belligerent armies of the oriental war once consecrated by action by the remembrance of what it has done its basis will be firmer its credit more assured and then you will be able to give it a definite form and shape which experience will have shown you to be the most useful not knowing yet what mr moynier has done during my absence i shall not send you the letter which i wish to address to your president but shall do it as soon as i shall have seen him if he has not already done it write to me at any time concerning the affairs of the red cross and i shall reply as well as i can being always in accordance with mr moynier's wishes who does not know english you would do well to have mr moynier's pamphlet translated into english what the red cross is my little volume entitled the surgeon at the ambulance has been translated into english either in england or in america perhaps it would be well to have a new edition of it for the circumstance at last our volume the war and charity has also been translated into english for all our publications of the international committee and its members it suffices to address mr george librarian at geneva perhaps it would be necessary and useful after you have plenty of money and fellow laborers to publish every three months a small bulletin of your work in one of the good american journals and now 
my dear Miss Barton, I have talked enough to you about the Red Cross. I have given you my ideas provisionally, expecting better ones later. You see, I have spoken to you familiarly, and with an entire confidence and fraternal friendship which our intercourse and our common work in Europe has brought forth. May God sustain you if you do undertake this new work, and in entertaining and augmenting your corporal strength and brain power, may he continue to inspire you with that moral irresistible power, that invincible strength which he alone can give and which the incredulous humanitarian never can give. Accept, Miss Barton, an honored friend, the assurance of my respectful friendship, Louis Appia, Doctor. Dansville, July 1st, 1877. Doctor Louis Appia. Membre, Comité International des Sequois. Militaire Blessé. Geneva. Doctor and honored friend, I cannot find the words to properly express to you my gratitude for the kind and careful manner in which you have treated my letter. But first allow me to thank Madame Appia for her generous part and all the prompt care she took to place it in the proper hands, and let me thank both for the excellent photograph, so welcome now and for all the future to be preserved among my choicest and most honored keepsakes how kind it was of you my good friend to give me so much of your time and labor embodied in that long letter so filled with valuable suggestions if nothing more comes of it it will at least bring us to an understanding in reference to the actual existence and standing of the Order of the Red Cross in America. I was extremely guarded in my letter, not at all knowing how you stood in regard to your selected representative in this country, for I knew you had one, and if you were satisfied— I did not wish to ripple the calm waters of confidence and security by even one pebble of discontent or doubt. I wrote cautiously like a woman. You have spoken out like a man, and it is well. With the pains your comité have taken, the Red Cross should have been known and honored in every household in America today. It has not died here. It was stillborn it has never once gasped on our shores the nurses to whom you delivered it have never even uncovered its face and america does not know that this holy child was ever an applicant for her adoption she would have received it with open arms at the close of our war when her own wounds were unhealed and her memories fresh and tender she will be less enthusiastic now at the end of a ten years peace and no prospect of war still the understanding and heart of the american people will lead them to examine and promote whatever cause has for its object the benefit of mankind or the alleviation of human woe i think i know my people and although 
through want of proper opportunities or physical strength or mental capacity i may not be able to move them in this matter this fact will in no way affect their general character and when all things combine for the proper presentation of this subject to them by whomsoever it may be it will be received and adopted by them your suggestions are excellent and lay out much such a field of labor as i had looked forward to and all this would be easy of accomplishment in america if an urgent necessity existed until it does it would be, I suspect, a difficult task to work up sufficient enthusiasm, but it was in anticipation of such a necessity that I was endeavoring to prepare the way. The simple war between Russia and Turkey might not be able to awaken the people, for we have a comparatively small element of either nationality among our populations but if other European nations engage and Germany, France, and England or all become involved, the interest in America will be scarcely less than on the other side. Then would be a repetition of the old sad days of the Franco-Prussian War, when every heart was sad and every purse open, they tell me, and half America in mourning. Now, my idea was, in anticipation of such a state of affairs in Europe as should call for the sympathies and aids of the Americans, to be prepared with an organization which would be only the body of clay, like the first man Adam, until the breath of life was breathed into his nostrils. This breath would be the necessity and the call for help from the suffering fields and peoples of Europe then it would be well that the body were created to receive it the first step it seems to me is to find and appoint to the head of the work some person in america who will have the spirit the interest the enterprise the determination to push the work and bring it before the country and the people or the honest conscience to resign the position in favor of someone who will and not hold it for years as an empty honor smothering out its life and leaving the country in ignorance of its existence i am very grateful to you for the kindly interest you take in the subject of my health my sleep which i know to be the great want is always gaining and digestion improving and these without the slightest artificial aid i never took a grain of morphia in my life and probably never in all combined a tablespoon of medicine to produce sleep and now i take nothing for the last three years not one particle of medicine relying entirely upon my food rest and open air for my restoration all i have gained has been by the aid of nature alone Thus I know the foundation is solid and sure. I allow nothing to trouble me, as indeed I have no cause for trouble. I walk or work in my garden or lie on my stretcher like a soldier under the trees several hours every day. 
and here come around me the memories of the past, the busy present, and the needful future. I wonder what you are all doing over this broad world, and how I can help you. If I find myself able to carry on a work, I shall do it. If not, I shall endeavor to inspire those who are. Your friend, Clara Barton. End of chapter 7, part 1